You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. All right, turning, if you would, to 2 Peter. It's the last Sunday I of November, so it's the last Sunday I have to, to teach, and good thing is we're in the last section that we're going to teach on, so the Lord worked that out for us, and uh, so to turn your Bibles, as I said, to Second Peter, and we'll read just chapter 1, verse 1 through 11, as we have been for every Sunday that we've been in this study of Second Peter. Verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained a like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and, of our, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I pray that you would just open your word to us this morning, Lord, as we look at the aspects of brotherly kindness and charity, Lord, that you would just give us a heart to hear your word as it's presented, Lord, and that we would change the areas of our lives, Lord, that we need to, Lord, so that we can be ones, be Christians, Lord, who have brotherly kindness and that charity that you desire us to have, Lord. And we thank you for your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A pastor mentioned in opening that he's going to be talking about love this morning, so hopefully we don't overlap too much. I don't think we will because really when we get into it, you know, the aspect of charity that we're going to be looking at is more directed towards our relationship with each other as well as that brotherly kindness. And I think part of that word charity also relates to actually our love for the Lord. It's the same love that he has for us. But just to review, for those of you maybe that haven't been here or Maybe those who missed a couple weeks, we've been discussing this month the seven things that we need to have, that as, as Peter lays out for us here in second epistle of Peter, that we need to have in our life so that we can be fruitful Christians. So for sake of reference, we call this our portfolio of fruitfulness, which describes to us that if we add these things to our account of faith, we will have fruit in heaven on our account for all eternity. The first things that we saw that we needed to add was virtue, or the first thing we saw we needed to add was virtue, or that moral excellence. We have to have that foundation of moral excellence in our life in order for us to grow in the Lord and have that fruit that we need to have for Him. 
Second thing we need to have was knowledge. We need to have knowledge added to our virtues so we have knowledge of God, knowledge of His Word, knowledge of His will for our lives so that we can do what we need to do, so that we can do what is right. We have to have that knowledge. Third, we talked about was temperance or self-control. You will, we will never bring forth the eternal fruit that we need to have in our life if our desires are not brought into the will of God. They're not brought in line with what God desires for us to do. If we do not have that self-control and allow ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit, we will not produce the fruit in our lives that we need to. The fourth thing we discussed was patience or steadfastness. Our spiritual investment portfolio can never be complete unless we have the ability to wait on God, to wait on God for His timing, to wait on God for His plan to work itself out in our lives, as well as the stability or the steadfastness to stand for God no matter what might come into our life, no matter what pressures we might face from the world, no matter what things maybe our family wants us to do, no matter what pressure comes into our life, we're going to be steadfast in our desire to live for God and to do what's right. We won't compromise our convictions. We won't compromise those things that are based on the scripture or doctrine or the core issues we have in our life. We won't compromise our convictions because we are steadfast in what God, steadfast for God. So the fifth thing we discussed last week was godliness or holiness. If we want to bring forth an abundant life, abundant fruit, we must have holiness as a quality of our life. We said that was the number one aspect of God, His holiness. This becomes more difficult, I believe, as the darker the world becomes, the more difficult it is for believers to live out a holy life. As we see the church change its desire to live out a holy life and to be more conformed to the world, the church in general... You know, it becomes harder for us who claim to be Christians to live out a holy life. But if we want to please God, if we want to have eternal fruit, we have to live out that aspect of holiness in our life. So today, as I mentioned, we will be discussing the sixth and seventh things that we find here in Second Peter chapter 1, which is found in verse 7. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. First area that we need to add to our godliness, we need to add this aspect of brotherly kindness. Now this area of brotherly kindness here is really described as that, um, the root word of that is the word we get Philadelphia from. Or that city of brotherly love that we think of when we think of Philadelphia. That brotherly kindness is necessary. And this would be that brotherly love. That love of the brethren. Especially... For the brethren in Christ. We need to have that brotherly kindness. You know, we cannot bring forth eternal fruit in our life if we have hatred and animosity and lack of unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. If we don't have that love of the brethren, if we don't have that brotherly love, we will not be able to have that unity that we have, need to have in the church, and we won't bring forth this eternal fruit. If we are harboring this anger, this hatred, or we don't have that love, that brotherly kindness that we need. You know, the breakdown of society is evidenced when we start losing our unity. We start losing our brotherly kindness. We start losing that desire to do anything for anybody other than ourselves. Then you can really see that breakdown of society. And you can see that in our country right now. As the division increases, we can see that the, the brotherly kindness decreases. And that's directly a result of us not having brotherly kindness 
in our own lives. You know, David wrote in Psalms 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. You know, if we have unity, that is where the Lord has commanded a blessing. Even life forevermore. You know, when we desire unity, we desire that brotherly kindness, we are going to receive a blessing from the Lord. And he equates it here in Psalm 133 as dew that descended upon Mount Hermon or as dew that descended upon Mount Zion. And we know that when dew comes, it brings life to the grass. It brings life to the trees. It, it, it sparkles. It shines. It brings forth that refreshment. You know, that's the same way that having unity in the brethren is to our lives. It brings refreshment. It brings nourishment. It brings that sparkle. When you look at the dew on the grass, you can see how it just shines and shimmers and reflects the light. That is the exact same type of brotherly kindness that we need to have in our lives. The Apostle Paul understood that it was necessary to have unity in the brethren as well in order to receive the blessings of the Lord. And he told this to the, the Ephesians in chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We need to do whatever we can to keep that unity of spirit that we have as a fellowship of believers. We need to keep that unity of spirit through that brotherly kindness, that brotherly love, because we have one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. We have one spirit inside us all, and we need to allow that Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into unity, into peace with our brethren. If there is no unity in the family, there is no peace. And if there is no peace, there is no happiness. And if there is no happiness, a family unit, it really is like a dead entity. I mean, if there is no happiness in a family unit, you really see any, a family that has no happiness within their unit. They just separate and go their own ways, and they don't have any contact with each other. And that's the same way that we can see in our own churches when we have lack of unity among the brethren. We don't receive a blessing. We don't have peace in the church. We don't have happiness in the church. And then eventually the, the church splits Everybody goes their own way, and we see that churches become dead and dying and decaying, and it really boils down to a lack of brotherly kindness, a lack of unity in the church. It is vital to us, not only corporately, but individually, that we have brotherly kindness evident in our life, that we love the brethren as we love ourselves. We must desire a unified body of believers. Because only when we have a unified body of believers, only when we have that brotherly kindness that's evident, can we see God's fullest blessing on our family, on our church, on our nation. When we have that unity that comes through adding this brotherly kindness to our lives. Another aspect of this Philadelphian love, this brotherly kindness, is compassion. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9 says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are there unto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Do we know that we are called to have compassion on one another? That we are called to have 
unity, to be courteous, to be pitiful. You know, you look at social media. If there's one thing I can say about social media is courtesy is gone completely out the window. You, there is no courtesy evident in the world today. There is no compassion evident in the communication that we see out in the world today. And that is an evidence that we have lost our brotherly kindness in our world today. You know, the more jaded we become by this world, the less compassion we have for each other. You know, sometimes the more difficult we go through, you know, we look at somebody else's difficult situation, we really don't have that compassion, that brotherly kindness that we need to have. And that's why we need to really ask the Lord to give us this brotherly kindness so that we can have the compassion we need and that we can have that unity we need with the brethren so that we don't get upset over the small things, so we don't get upset over, you know, things that maybe hinder our happiness or so we see in our own lives, so we think. We need to have this brotherly kindness. Sometimes we are so focused on our troubles, on our struggles, and maybe even puffed up, lifted up by our knowledge of spiritual things, by our perceived spiritual maturity. We become lifted up by that, that we do not have the compassion that we should have towards the world and especially towards other brothers and sisters in Christ that may be struggling in certain areas of our lives. It's so easy for us to get puffed up in our own spiritual maturity or how we see ourselves as being spiritually mature. And we don't look at the needs of others, their spiritual needs first and foremost, and have that compassion to lift them up and to help them to walk according to the Word of God and according to what is right. So we need to have that compassion. Another aspect of this brotherly kindness, in addition to the unity and the compassion, we need to have that desire of giving to the ministry of those who minister to us. Giving to the ministry of those who minister to us in the spiritual aspects, in the spiritual things especially. You know, the Apostle Paul was overjoyed at find, finding out that the Philippian church was insistent on giving to him. In finding out his needs, and finding out what his needs were, and then ministering his needs. You know, that overjoyed or filled the Apostle Paul with great joy to know that the, uh, the Philippian church was exuding that brotherly kindness to meet his needs. Was it because he needed the support? That's not why he was, I'm sure he was joyful that he was receiving the support. But that's not why the Apostle Paul was overjoyed with the Philippian church. He was overjoyed because he knew that by their giving, they were adding abundant fruit to their account. And we find this in Philippians 4, verse 14 through 19. Notwithstanding, ye have well done, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. No church communicated with the Apostle Paul about giving and receiving what he needed, what he needed to make the ministry expand and to do the work that the Lord had called them to, except for the Philippian church. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul was overjoyed that the Philippian church was giving to his needs because he knew they were receiving that spiritual fruit to their account. That he, they were receiving an abundant blessing 
from the Lord because they were showing this brotherly kindness. They were showing this giving attitude to the Apostle Paul to meet his needs so that he could expand the work of the ministry. You know, especially when money is tight. I think we allow our brotherly kindness in the area of giving to the Lord's work to be an area of grief to us rather than understanding that we are investing in spiritual fruit, in spiritual blessings. That we are building up our portfolio of fruitfulness to the Lord. Is that something that we struggle with occasionally? When we know, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a hard time paying this bill at the end of the month. I really can't give, but the Lord is laying on our hearts to give. Do we have that attitude of brotherly kindness that we're willing to give no matter what it's going to cost us so that we can see the work of the Lord expanded, so we can see somebody go forth and do the work that the Lord has called them to do? You know, we need to have that brotherly kindness, that compassion to give to those who are ministering spiritual things. Paul knew the blessings that the Philippian church were to receive from their investment is ministry they might never see on this earth. You know, the Philippian church might have never seen the blessings that the Lord was going to do through the Apostle Paul or that he was going to expand through the ministry that the Apostle Paul was engaged in. They might never see the end result of their giving. But their focus was on eternal things, making sure that Paul's ministry continued to move forward. So the word of God will be preached everywhere possible by the Apostle Paul, that many could receive the Lord Jesus. And we need to have that same desire, knowing that somebody brought to us the word of God. We need to be willing to give of our own selves, whatever that might be required, just not, not just money, but time and talents. And whatever the Lord might require of us, we need to be willing to give so that we can see the work of the Lord expanded. We need to have that brotherly kindness, that compassion for others. So that we know that you know, somebody is going to minister to them and I'm going to have that compassion so that I will give so that they can be ministered to. Our brotherly kindness is also obvious by how we reach out and touch others who are in need outside of the church. Not just their spiritual need, but also their physical need. It says in Jude, chapter one, in Jude 22, and some have compassion making a difference. You know, when we have compassion on others, we can make a difference. Just as we gave out these baskets for Thanksgiving, you know, having compassion on those who are in need, well, I mean, obviously our first and foremost focus should be their spiritual need. But meeting those physical needs as well, having that compassion, that brotherly kindness, is a way that we can make a difference in this world. You know, especially this time of year, as we are inundated with all these requests to give everywhere we go, it is easy for us to turn away from this Philadelphian love and to think, only of ourselves. So I'll ask us, do we have the brotherly kindness that the Lord desires of us to have? Have we added this to the other five things that we mentioned in order to have that portfolio of fruitfulness that we need to have to the Lord and for the Lord? So that was the aspect of brotherly kindness, of brotherly love. Now we move into the area of charity. This last aspect that Peter mentions here in this passage and can there be a more misunderstood word in our world today than this word charity? You know, especially at this time of year, we will be, like I said, bombarded with requests to donate to charity. Whether it's through the mail, whether it's outside the store. You know, every time there's a natural disaster, we are asked to donate money, time, or blood to charity. Sometimes we can become so overwhelmed or so immune to these requests for donations that we lose all our desire or lose our compassion to give to anybody. 
You know, sometimes we also get, I guess, um, discouraged when we see those who are standing on the side of the road with their signs, you know, help me, I need food, I need whatever, and, and I'll work for food. And of course, God bless, they put God bless at the bottom of their signs. But then if you were to actually go ask them, do you want a job, do you want to come work? I mean, we <laughs> plenty of people working, they don't want to work. So he's like, do you really need the money? Why, why are you standing out here? Oh, because they can make a lot of money standing on the side of the road and doing whatever. So sometimes we can get jaded by that. We, we can get, you know, where we don't want to give to anybody who's in need. And then we also have so many people in the world who think that the government's responsibility is to be a massive giving organization, a massive charity for the people. And the way they accomplish this charity work is through taking money from those who work for it, through our taxes. So that's another area that we can get thrown off of our compassion, that our spiritual vision, we can't see the needs of others around us because of these aspects of the world and taxes and all these things that we think are wrong with the world, we can sometimes lose our spiritual vision to see the needs of those around us. And, you know, really, though, when we look at this word, and I said it's most misunderstood word for charity, all the things that we typically associate with what are charities in the world are really acts of brotherly kindness, really acts of, of giving to meet the need or having that compassion on those around us. Now, where some of those can be acts truly that are of this word charity, that have that true meaning of the word charity, a lot of them, they're just simply giving to meet that physical need, not necessarily giving to meet the spiritual need that really is the essence of this word charity. You know, in the New Testament, and here in Second Peter, this word charity is the Greek word agape, which is, you know, not that brotherly love or that phileo love of Philadelphia. And I know we've all heard these messages about Agape love. You know, if we've sat in church for any length of time at all, we think of that conversation that Peter had with the Lord Jesus and how the Lord Jesus asked him if he had this agape love, this, this self-sacrificial love that the Lord has for us. And he asked that to Peter, and Peter responded saying he had that brotherly love, that brotherly kindness. And then the Lord asked him again, do you have that, that agape love, that charity love? And Peter responded again, I have that brotherly love. And then the Lord asked him, do you even have that brotherly love for me? Do you even have that brotherly kindness to me? Or are you so focused on yourself that you can't see anybody outside yourself? You're so focused on yourself that you only love yourself. And we think, and, and Peter was grieved by that request from the Lord. And he said he loved the Lord. He had that agape love for the Lord. You know, I have to think that that conversation that Peter had with Jesus, right before Jesus was, you know, soon after that Jesus ascended, I think that conversation probably stuck in the mind of Peter. And as he's writing this passage right here, I can't think that it didn't come to his mind, that conversation that he had with the Lord, about that self-sacrificial love, that agape love. You know, some of the acts of charity that we see in the world today, like I mentioned, those are those acts of brotherly kindness. But the true act of charity, the true aspect of this word charity, is a fervent, self-sacrificial love. This love, this charity, is described in the scripture as the love that God has for us. It's described in John 3.16. That's the same word that we find for charity. John 3.16. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We all know that verse. And that word for love here is that same word that we see translated charity right here. That love that God has for us is the love that we need to have for him and for others. This goes beyond just throwing our loose change into the cup of a bell ringer outside a store. It goes beyond that brotherly kindness. We find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that it says that charity is the greatest. And now abide a faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. Charity, or this God-given, holy, self-sacrificial love, is the greatest thing that we can have in our life as a believer. It was this type of love, as I mentioned, that brought the Savior to the earth. So when we invest ourselves in true charity, in this love, this true love, we are able to reach others around us, the same as the Lord Jesus was able to reach us. Without this love, without this charity, we cannot reach into a person's soul and see their spiritual need and then meet that spiritual need. Because when we don't have this love, we instead have just brotherly kindness where we're reaching out with compassion and, you know, we are meeting some of their physical needs. But we don't get really into that self-sacrificial giving of ourselves to meet their spiritual need. If we as Christians were examples of charity and brotherly kindness, we would not need the government to provide for the needs of people. Really, Christians allow the government to take over their supposedly charitable contributions to the poor in this country because it took the burden off of us, I believe. I believe it took the burden, it, it, it made it so that we don't have to think about those who are in need around us as much as we should because we have the government supplying and meeting their physical needs. And because the government's meeting their physical needs, we don't even invest a lot of times in the spiritual needs of those who truly are in need. If we were to meet their, phys their spiritual needs first, though, by having this charity that we should have, a lot of the physical needs would dissipate. You know, in John 13, 35, it has a, a, a verse that I believe we, we overlook a lot of times. It says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. By this shall all men know. Not because you go out and tell them. Not because you hand them a tract. Not because you go door to door knocking. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Now I'm not saying that go to door to door or handing out a tract or other things. The people need to know the gospel. People need to know the gospel in order to be saved. But the way they know you are truly a disciple of the Lord Jesus is if you have love one to another. You have this charity. Why do we think so many people are turned off from the church today in modern America? I believe one of the real reasons is because they don't see this charity, this godly love played out in our lives, which is evidence that we are truly disciples of Christ. You can see this in the workplace. I mean, I've, I've encountered many people that I work with who claim to be Christians, and I've talked to other people who say, he's not a Christian because he has no aspect of love for one another. He doesn't, he doesn't treat people with respect. He doesn't treat people with love. You know, that is one of the biggest turnoffs to us is when we don't have love, not just for the people around us, though, especially love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And when, we, when a person comes into a church and they can feel that discord, that lack of love between the brethren, you know, people can sense that. You can sense when there's that, that lack of unity. And it turns people off 
from the Lord. It leads people to believe that we are not truly Christ's disciples when we don't have this charitable love, this godly love, one for another. So what aspect of believers shows all men that we know a risen Savior called Jesus? And that's this self-sacrificial love. If we have this self-sacrificial love one for another, that's how all men know that we serve the Lord Jesus, that we are his disciples. Again, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, describes the evidences of who has true charity, who has true godly love. And I'll just run through it really quick. It says, number one, they are patient. They are kind. They are not envious of others. They are not prideful of one's own goodness or accomplishments. They have good manners. They seek to please others, not themselves. They are not easily offended because they see the good in every situation. They do not rejoice in ill reports of others or in wrongdoing. And how difficult is for that for us? To not rejoice in ill reports or the reports of people doing wrong, but to report, rejoice in the, the truth, the good reports of others. They rejoice when good things happen to others. And they have strong faith and endurance. That's the aspect of someone who has this true charity, this true love that God has for us and desires us to have for him as well as for others. All men will know if we are Jesus' disciples if we do these things. So, do we evidence these things in our lives so that all men will know that we are Christ's disciples? Or do we have to tell them repeatedly that we are Christ's disciples to make sure that they know? See, this aspect of love, this aspect of charity, means that we can live our life, and if we are truly living out this charity, we will be the example. We will draw all men to us because they can see this love we have, and then we can share the gospel with them. Now, we can open up that gospel to them beforehand, but the thing that really draws people to the Lord, this, the thing that really shows all men that we are his disciples, if we have love one for another. The average church split is not the best witnessing tool for the Lord. It's not the best witnessing tool. And yet, they happen so often in our circles of fundamental Christianity that uh, we, we've come to accept them as a, as a part of life. But the reality is they really hinder the message of the gospel. They really hinder that aspect of showing love for the brethren. So why do we allow ourselves to engage in conversation or thoughts or anything that is not loving to our brothers and sisters in Christ? Why do we not exude this charity that the Lord desires us to have? We need to have this charity, this true godly love for our brethren. Not just the brotherly kindness, but we need to have this charity that we can love our brethren as Christ loved us so that we can show that we are truly Christ's disciples. And we need this charity if we are to build up the spiritual portfolio, this fruitfulness that we need to have in our life. And this one might be the hardest for us to obtain, to have this true godly love in our lives for others. How many faults would we overlook? How many slights would we ignore? How many blessings would we give to others? How much service will we give to the Lord if we have this godly charity in our lives? So, just to leave us with a verse in regards to this agape, godly love. In Ephesians 5, 2, it says, And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering 
and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. The definition for us to follow of true charity, have we given ourselves to God as a sweet-smelling, savory offering and sacrifice to Him? If we have done that, then we are going to live out that life of love, that life of charity for our brethren and for the world as well. So what is the result? What is the goal of having our portfolio filled with these seven things? Remember, our account is that of faith. First of all, we have to have that faith in Christ Jesus for our salvation. We have to, trusted, have, to have trusted Jesus Christ for our salvation in order to even begin building up this spiritual fruit. And then we need to add to our faith virtue, then knowledge, then temperance, then patience, then godliness, then brotherly kindness, and then last of all, charity, which is the greatest. So what are our goals about being diligent to add these things to the working of the Holy Spirit in our life? First, in verse 8, it tells us that we will not be barren or unfruitful in the work of the Lord. We will not be barren and unfruitful for the ministry. We will have fruit to our account. Secondly, it tells us in verse 10 that if we have these things, we will never fall aside in our Christian life. We will never fall. If we add these seven things into our life, if we are diligent to add them, we will be steadfast for God and we will be pleasing to Him. And then thirdly, in verse 11, it says that we, when we enter into eternity, it will not be... Uh, a sneaky entrance like when we want to sneak in the back of the church after service has already started. It's not going to be a sneaky entrance. It says it's going to be an abundance, abundant entrance, a joyous entrance into the kingdom, an entrance that will be, bring glory and joy to our Savior. So is our portfolio of fruitfulness full of these things? If not, we need to be diligent to make sure that we are adding these things and making them evident in our life so we can live a morally excellent life and so that we can be full of God's love and bring forth eternal fruit to His honor and glory. For He has called us to glory and virtue, as we saw in verse 3. He has called us to glory and virtue. We need to make sure that we have these things in our lives. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.